I wanted to get their attention because TV is about you got to be entertaining, you got to stand out. It's like they're on season 12. They've done a lot. Like, how are you going to be different than what else has already been on the show before? Hey, what's happening, everybody? Larry Roberts here with another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. And today I've got a guest that is going to blow your mind. It blows my mind. They reached out to me after they saw the video of Super Joe Pardo and I reviewing their Shark Tank pitch, which I got to say, you should subscribe to this channel. Go over to YouTube right now, subscribe to Super Joe Pardo, and watch each and every one of our Shark Tank pitch reviews on his Business Coach React series. Now, let's meet our guest. Aaron Powell joins us today. He was recently featured on an episode of Shark Tank, and his product is called Bunch Bikes. And ironically enough, he's about 30 minutes up the street from me in Denton, Texas. So this is an all North Texas represents episode of the Readily Random Podcast, and what? I'm super stoked. Man. <laughs> What's up? What's what? So Aaron, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, yeah, man, I, I got to be honest. I was, you know, because I tend to be a little harsh sometimes on those little videos that Joe and I do. And then when one of your reps reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to have Aaron on the podcast? For one, I had to go, let me go watch that episode and see what I said before I say yes. You know, re real people actually watch these things, believe it or not. So, <laughs> actually, all, all my friends have been saying, hey, have you seen this guy on YouTube reviewing your thing? It's like, I couldn't even bring myself to watch it until earlier this morning. I was like, I, I, I can't, I can't see what these guys are saying. That is so funny because I don't watch them either. I, I don't watch them either because I hate, I, I hate seeing myself for what I. Yeah, it was actually this morning was the second time I've watched it since the day it had aired. I haven't been able to bring myself to do it again. But I was like, well, I'm going to do this podcast. I better see what he said about me first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, full disclosure. I just rewatched it like at two X so over the last 15 minutes to go. Okay. Just make sure, just make sure. So I think the worst thing I asked though was are, are rolling your pant legs cool again. And you, you know, know what? <laughs> it is, it is cool again for sure. Cause I saw that. I was like, man, I honestly miss rolling up my pant legs. Cause I can remember being a kid and going, you know what? All the preps and whatnot, they roll their pant legs up. I'm never doing that. And then it turns around, you know, I start rolling my pant legs up and then I love the look. Right. And then it goes yep. out, and, and I you know, see I was wearing you like it. some some like nice boots, so it's like you know you got to do it with boots. Yeah, so. you had some great looking boots. My, my, on, my wife said I looked really good, and it's really her opinion's the only one that I care about. That so. is the only one that matters at one hundred percent of the time. So I applaud you there, sir. So man, let's get into it. Tell me all about for one. How do you even get on Shark Tank? It seems like such a reach for most people to actually put themselves in a position to even have an opportunity on a stage like that. So walk us through that process. How did you even reach out and how did you get chosen? How's that work? Yeah, well, sure. Yeah, so like between 30 and 40,000 people apply for every season. So yeah, I mean, the odds are stacked against you and they only record, you know, a very, very small number of those. So one is like, I, I think just going into it, you got to have something unique about yourself. It's got to be a good story. It's got to be a new or interesting or different product. And even better if it's a combo of the two. And I, I think right out of the gate, I've got a product nobody's ever really seen before. And just my story of being like this almost American dream, right? I started off, I used to be a teacher, kind of learned everything I knew over a course of years and put it in, putting in hard work and time. It's like that kind of appeals to the audience. So if you've got some sort of interesting story behind what you're doing, you know, put your name in the hat. So if, as far as the process for me, there was a form online. You just fill it out, like answer some questions and send it off into the ether. And then, you know, you don't expect anything to happen, but you know, a few months after I did that, I got the first call and then, you know, they have you make audition tape and, you know, I went, I went all out. Like they said, make an audition tape. It's like, and they said, yeah, you know, no big deal. Just 
you know, shoot a video, answer some questions. It's like, no, 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 I'm going all out. So I got a video crew. We filmed the video. I was basically doing my pitch and talking financials while riding my bike with my kids around Denton with a guy with a camera at the back of a minivan. It's like, you know, we went, we went crazy with it. And, uh, you know, just, I wanted to get their attention because TV is about, you know, you got to be entertaining. You got to, you know, stand out. It's like they're on season 12. They've done a lot. Like how are you going to be different than what else has already been on the show before? So kind of like all, every step of the way, you know, you get a little closer, they ask you more questions, you do more auditions, you know, and it was all kind of via zoom this year because of COVID sure. or I guess last year. So, um, you know, and then eventually it's like, Hey, we want you to come out and film. It's like, okay, awesome. Let's do it. And that was a whole experience in of itself because with COVID like LA was shut down for filming. They weren't filming there. So they actually moved to Vegas. They filmed everything in Vegas this year. Oh wow. Uh, they rented out a hotel and basically made this shark tank bubble that you had to go into quarantine for two weeks before you could even film. So I went out there, I drove from Dallas to Vegas with bikes in my van and <laughs> had to stay by myself in a hotel room for two weeks and just staring at the walls, waiting for it to happen. It's like, talk about stress, man. I went to wow. emotional roller coaster for, two, you know, actually by day five or six, I talked myself out of it. I was about to go home and just, I was like, I can't do this. I'm out of here. And then, you know, I, I, I stuck around, but you just start to go crazy when you're by yourself. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that, man. You're sitting there for two weeks in a bubble, in a hotel room, and it's not like you have the freedom to leave the room, I'm assuming. No, you can't exercise. You can't You can't do anything. You can't go out. Like, they bring the food to you. It's just like... <laughs> Golly, that's some commitment. But, yeah, you know, one of the things I really love about what you just said is that in order to get their attention, you went all out. And, and I can see that you do that in just about everything that you do, considering the fact, as I already mentioned, you're in a sound booth. I mean, I interview yep. <laughs> professional podcasters that don't that don't show up to my show as prepared as you've shown up today. So for what I want to thank you for that. It, that is awesome. You know, it's all about preparation. And we'll, and we'll talk, I guess, about the show and what happened yeah. on the show. But yeah. I, I was incredibly prepared going into it because, I mean, the stakes are so high. You know, it's like the biggest moment of your life. Everyone's going to see it. Everyone's going to talk about it. YouTubers are going to be talking about you, you know, it's like, you got to, you, you got to, you know, it's, it's like, if it's the biggest moment of your life, you got to put in that level of preparation. And so once it started looking like I was maybe going to get that far in the process, I mean, it was every night I'm watching episodes, I'm taking notes. I wrote down every question they've ever asked in the last five seasons and then spent, you know, some of these questions, you know, they might take you five hours with Excel to figure out an answer to what that question would be. And then you got to memorize it all. So it's like, index cards while I'm driving to Vegas and like just trying to cram it all in there wow. so that when they call it, you know, you've got, you've got something good to say and you got to like, I mean, I went deep, dude, like, you know, any shark that wrote a book, I read their book. Anyone that did a podcast interview, I listened to every one of their interviews so that I got in their heads. I knew, okay, if they put this company bunch bikes in front of them and me, what are they going to pick on? What are they going to ask? And you know, there were some surprises, but overall, like, I, I pretty much knew how it was going to go and what they were going to pick on and just had answers prepared, you know, to, to get after them. Yeah, and you can definitely tell when watching the show who's, who's prepared and who hasn't prepared. And sometimes it shocks me when they put those that aren't quite as prepared as, as you were on the show, but I think they do that just to kind of mix things up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But let, let's back it up a little bit. You, you mentioned the name of your company, Bunch Bikes. Tell us about Bunch Bikes Tell us about how it's a perfect product for Shark Tank and tell us how it even got your attention for those of you, those that are listening now that maybe haven't seen the episode of the show. Well, just to start, you know, Bunch Bikes, we make an electric family cargo bike, which is, if you imagine a bike that has a 
a box on the front with bench seats and seat belts for up to four kids up in front of the handlebars, and it's got an electric assist motor. So I actually saw bikes similar to this for the first time overseas in Europe on a trip to Sweden, where actually bikes like this are super common. They're all over the place. You go to like Copenhagen, Denmark, you're going to see a bike like a bunch bike on literally every street corner. They are all over the place. And I was just, I thought it was rad. You know, I was into bikes. We already were a family with only one car and I was biking with my daughter on the back seat of my road bike Had another kid on the way. How are we going to keep biking? You know, it's like, Hey, these cargo bikes are awesome. I want to get one. Can't get one. There's nobody in the States to get one from. Yeah. It's like I could import one from Europe for like tons of money. And I was like, okay, there might be an opportunity here. And I was kind of looking for what what my next thing was going to be. You know, I wanted to do something that was going to impact the world and like get people on bikes was something that was kind of a passion of mine. So, you know, I was like, Hey, let's, let's do this. Let's give it a whirl and see how it goes. See if there's other people out there like me. And apparently there were, cause we've been trying to catch up to demand ever since. Yeah. I mean, you had mentioned on the show that you had over $2 million in sales already, uh, which the bike has a higher price point, but regardless, I, I don't care what the price point is. You did over $2 million in sales and I'm sure you've probably broke the 3 million mark by now. It seems like it would be a tough market, and I even expressed that in the video. I, you say, I, I think it was either you or, or your representative that reached out said you actually ride your bike around Denton. Now, uh, Denton is a smaller town, but at the same time, it's a college town, and it's spread out. How do you functionally use the bike around town? If you look at a city like Denton or most cities in the U.S., smaller cities, it really comes down to what part of the city you are whether biking makes sense or not. If you're mm-hmm. out in the suburbs, say South Denton, or, you know, there's nothing within reach. You got to drive your car 10 minutes to get anywhere. Right. Yeah. Biking's not going to make the most sense, but you know, downtown Denton's got this awesome historic downtown, you know, one of the best in the country, you know, it's got all these cool, unique restaurants, shops, events, jazz fest, all these things happening all the time. And actually getting downtown on a car is a pain in the butt because there's not really great parking. Mm-hmm. So biking is actually the best way. So we live in a neighborhood, you know, a mile away from downtown. So it's actually a neighborhood that's surrounded by commercial development on all sides. So I'm within a five minute bike ride of three grocery stores, hardware store, you know, thrift stores, like anything that we would go to, it's right there. And so, yeah, I'm not going to ride to the lake or something like that. You know, we don't have a beach destination or something like that, but for daily living and just the things we use cars for 95% of the time, we can get done on the bunch bike. And even with two kids, even with big, you know, big and bigger grocery bills, like I, I don't, I don't need to use the car on a daily basis. So, you know, it just kind of comes down to your area and where you live. And, you know, you, you guys talked about like, yeah, and it makes sense like California places where there's lots of biking and great weather. Yeah. Of course we sell more bikes there, but you know, depending on where you're at in the city, if you have stuff with an access or a destination, like in Dallas, White Rock Lake is a big destination. We sell a lot of bikes around White Rock Lake. But, you know, if you're in the middle of, you know, I don't know, Louisville, it might not make sense, right? You know, it just depends on what you have kind of within reach. Yeah, I mean, it's a similar scenario to Denton. You know, I think the, the cities are about the same size, I'm, I'm guessing. I, I've lived in Louisville for a while, but I've never been a fan of Louisville. It's, it's kind of ironic. As a kid, you know, you're familiar with Six Flags, and it's an amusement park. Uh, they have them all over the country, so people are probably familiar with Six Flags. But we would come through Louisville. I used to live in North Texas in Sherman, which is right on the border of Texas and Oklahoma. That's where I'm from. And we would come down through here, and as our, our, we're going through Louisville on the way to Six Flags, this is a true story. I swear it's so true. I would look at my friends and go, you know what? I will never live in this town. And... Uh, 
<laughs> the first place I ever buy a house, and I've been in this house for, I don't know, 15, 16 years now, was Louisville. So here I am. But, you know, it's interesting. They do have a nice downtown area. They have a place called Old Town, which I can definitely see the bike being applicable in that area. There's a neighborhood that surrounds it. There's all sorts of nice uh, olders-type shops and a nice little square area, and they've they've done it up really nice. And I can see a bike being used there. Do you see with the country itself becoming more energy conscious and we're seeing, a, I mean, I'm wearing my Elon Musk hoodie today, as a matter of fact. So it, we, we're seeing a lot of movement towards electric cars and, and, and re renewable energy. Do you think that bikes are something in that are going to be more prevalent in our society? And do you think that's one of the reasons you're, that you're seeing so much success with bunch bikes? Yeah, no, certainly the, the macro trends on bikes, electric bikes, micro mobility, it's, it's all positive. And I mean, you look, you know, 10 years ago, you know, talking about bike lanes and bringing that up to your city council, like nobody was talking about it. You know, you had some progressive cities here and there, but today, 2021, pretty much every city is at least having the conversation, whether they're going to do it or not, you know, put in infrastructure, they're at least talking about it. And the cities are trending that way. And actually, I think COVID jumped us forward a decade in time in terms of that, because people started working from home, traffic went way down. A lot of cities started experimenting with, hey, traffic's way down on the street. Let's go ahead and just test out that bike lane we were talking about, see if people use it. And actually with people at home more looking, you know, everything's closed, gym's closed, park's closed, whatever. They're out on a bike because what else can you do, you know? So it kind of got more people on a bike. A lot of, you know, shops were busy all year long with people bringing bikes out of their shed that they haven't touched in 20 years and like <laughs> working on them. Like they had endless bikes to work on. And it's just more people are on bikes. And I, I don't think it's a short-term thing. I, I, you know, you've got bikes, scooters, electric skateboards, all these different modes of transportation. And th they're not going away. It's only becoming more and more dense. And, you know, cities are going to have to make places for these things to exist. Like, you know, they don't work on the sidewalks because they're hitting people. They don't work in the streets because cars are hitting them. We got to have a place set aside for, the, for these vehicles you know, all the different kinds of transportation. And you look at Scandinavia and Europe, they've got it figured out. They've had it figured out for decades. And it's a whole incredible culture that I'm kind of enamored with. And I, I want to take that piece to Scandinavia and kind of create that reality here. And, you know, putting these bikes out in the market, getting more people on bikes is kind of what my way of contributing to that. You know, I think, and and you you may agree with this, one of your biggest challenges, it seems like to me, is the price point of the bike. And, and, and two, I think there's an educational process there that, that has to be put in place because your bike's not just a bike. You know, people think a bike and I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, a Huffy or a Schwinn or something. And maybe those are the high dollar bikes. I don't know what the high dollar bikes are anymore. Your price point is the least expensive, what, $29.99? Um, for the non-electrics, $29.99. Yeah. We're actually discontinuing that. Uh, and the electric version, $44.99 is the starting price point. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a combo of several things. One is actually supply chain is really hurting us right now with mm -hmm. the kind of boom from 2020. The flip side of that is all of our suppliers have raised their costs because of worldwide demand going up. All of the lead times have gotten incredibly long. Mm -hmm. Normally I can get a container of bikes in three to four weeks from the factory. Now it's at 10 to 15 months. You know, I actually, I put down a $50,000 deposit for Tektro breaks. I'm not going to get till 2023, you know? So it's like the lead time, like, there's a lot of challenges that are keeping that price high. Also, you know, we have the, t the tariffs uh, have actually impacted us quite a bit, raising our costs 25% on imported goods from China. So, like, 
also, and then we're, we're getting started, you know, we're, we're selling at a, a smaller volume, but I kind of alluded to it on the show, but the long-term goal is like, you know, I, I didn't set out to make bikes only for wealthy people. I want, you know, I was a teacher, right? I, that wasn't me. And I want to make bikes that are actually affordable and accessible to the masses, but it's a process. You know, Tesla didn't start off selling $30,000 cars. They started with, you know, $120,000 roadsters. And as demand was there, they built up the capacity, built up the volume. They got economies of scale and we're able to get costs down. And that's actually my ultimate goal is to get there. Uh, it's just a process, you know, but for the families that are able to afford it, it's an investment in a lifestyle. You know, so many, if you look through the reviews on our website, so many people say, this is the best thing I have ever purchased. We hear that again and again, you know, it's not just a bike to ride around. It's a, it's a literal lifestyle change. We had a guy buy a bike. He got it four days ago. He's like, the day I got my bike, I sold my car and we're just like, you know, it's like it turns your neighborhood into an adventure errands. Like you're riding to get groceries, but it's a fun bike ride at the same time. It's a game changer for, for families that are able to, you know, kind of make that investment. Well, and I think that's one of the perspectives that, that, that some people may not be taking into account when they're thinking of your bikes, because what, one of the, the, the key features that you pointed out was it's an opportunity to bring the family along and get the entire family involved in the biking process or the, the biking adventure. And, and that you can have the kids in front of the bike this time as compared to the the, the rear view that was right. demonstrated on the show <laughs> that nobody And that's enjoys, the big right? advantage that you can you can talk with them, laugh with them while you ride, kind of engage. You know, there's a, you, know, you see something interesting, you can stop, point it out, talk about it. You're in the car, you're not going to stop. You know, the, kid, you can't, the kids say something, you can't hear them. Hey, look at that over there. Where? You've already passed it. You know, it's like, so you're like kind of dis disengaged from the community around you and you know people on bikes you, you're you know i can't ride down the street without some neighbors you know waving high wanting to chat for a minute or all the stops along the way we stop at local businesses more like if we were in the car we would just go from a to b and that's that i want to get you know from a to b as quick as possible on the bike you know it's it's more casual it's more interactive with with what's around you and with the kids right in front of you you can experience that together. Well, and I, I think that's a valid point too, because even in the car, if you have the kids in the car, not only can you not hear them, you cannot see them because they're behind you and you really don't want to hear them when you're driving, to be honest with you. But, but but they get lost in their, what their iPads or their Game Boys or whatever it may be that's keeping them occupied. Or even as, you know, a lot of people have video monitors in the headrest of, uh, of, the, you know, of, the, and, of the van. And this this really touches home to me because we, we had this customer share this story. We, we sent a question out to our customers has there ever been, have you ever experienced a transformation, a transformative moment while using your bike? And man, it, it made me cry like this, this lady, she's like, you know, I, before we had a bunch of bike, you know, we take the minivan to the park and, you know, every time we get in the car, I'd put the DVD player down. We'd, we'd put on some shows or movies and let the kids watch. And then we got the bunch bike. We started riding the bunch bike, you know, a few miles to the park instead. And one day my while riding the bike to the park, my two-year-old turns around and looks at me in the eye and says, Mommy, I like playing with you more than I like watching shows on the DVD. And oh, wow. It's like she just realized like this lifestyle she had was like so just disengaged with her with her kids, you know, and just putting that screen in front of them. Just, you know, it just it's, it's like taking them out of real life, you know. So like it's just that was her transformative moment. And she's, you know, now completely changed her lifestyle because this product helped her, helped her realize that. That's amazing. That is truly amazing. And it makes me wonder, you know, are, are we going to be seeing things like this step out in the forefront as we re-engage 
in our post-COVID engagements and our post-COVID relationships. We keep hearing all this this uh, talk of Zoom fatigue and you know video conference fatigue, and I'm just ready to get back and see people in real life. I'm ready to go to real events. I'm ready to engage. And products like yours are initiating and even leading that charge to re-engage with everything around us. I love the fact that it does that. And how do you see things changing going forward that will allow this to make an even bigger impact? You know, with you've got these significant lead times, so that's holding you back. How do you see yourself continuing to make, say, lead the charge in re-engaging with society, but you're still faced with some of these business challenges at the same time? Well, the, the business challenges we're mitigating, you know, it's, it's, it's really just a, a challenge of cash, you know, and investors is kind of how I got that done last year. And so, you know, we're okay and we're meeting the challenges and we're actually not going to be out of stock or anything this year. We've got the inventory to meet it. Although the prices are going to be kept high for a little while, but you know, I'm, I'm in this for the long term, And so I'm looking at this long-term vision of where, the, where is this going to be at in 10 years? And, you know, I, I just see like this supply chain challenge is just like a, just a speed bump along the way. And once we're kind of past this, and, you know, like you said, people are going to be out and wanting to engage with the world again. I, I, I see biking just really becoming in the forefront, you know, something that people continue to do going forwards. And we've got, you know, the longer we're in business, the more kind of segments of our customer base that we're, we're realizing exist. Like, you know, so many of our customers have a child with special needs. They've never been on a bike before. And, you know, now this 15 year old child with down syndrome can get in a bunch bike and ride with the whole family. And it's like this really special moment, but the bike's not really built for that. You know, it's built for like four to you know six kids, aged six and under. And so they're making it work, but maybe there's things that we can do to build bikes to tailor to specific use cases. You know, we've actually got businesses starting to use them for deliveries. We've got state parks and municipalities doing like groundskeeping and stuff like that, where it's hard to get a truck into those areas um, you know, even maybe a last mile uh, delivery, urban logistics, things like that, where traditionally it's been done with trucks and it, maybe there's a way to get it done on bikes like they are in Europe to where, you know, we're taking cars off the road. It's being more environmentally friendly um, and just getting people active and, and fit as well. That's pretty cool. You know, and, and you've, you've, made a, you've made a lot of firsts along the, the road to growing bunch bikes to what it is today. And one of the first that I just learned about today, as a matter of fact, and you may have even just posted it today, uh, was on the video that, that Super Joe and I did, was that Robert Hershevik jumped in post-show and, and went in 50-50 with Barbara. Barbara's the one that actually gave you a deal on the show, but then Robert came in after the fact. Talk to us about that. How did that go down? Well, yeah, so yeah, so on the show, I did a deal with Barbara, and you know, as far as the audience was current, concerned, like that was that, but unbeknownst to me, actually, Robert had approached Barbara after the fact. It's like, Hey, like, I love that bike. I want in on this deal, you know, cause Robert, he, if there's something with wheels that comes onto that stage, he is up out of his seat. He wants to get on the skateboard. He wants to get on whatever it is and yep. take it for a spin. He's in, into hot rods and cars and everything. And he's got two year old twins at home and he's into biking. So it's like, it was kind of set up for him and he wasn't, he didn't get a chance to be a part of it. So He's like, I want in on this deal. And, you know, I found out kind of down the road, like, hey, Robert wants to come in. Is that something you'd be okay with? I'm like, uh, yeah, let's do it. Like, you know, <laughs> because, I, you know, I, I was kind of disappointed he wasn't able to be on the panel as well. It's like if there was a guy I was going to pick, 
that would be interested in this product, it would have been Robert, you know? That was so, my next question was, were you disappointed when you found out that Robert wasn't on the panel? Yeah. Well, so, you know, it's like, I, I just knew it would have been a perfect fit. I knew it would have been way into it. But I also knew just from the research and preparation I did that Barbara was way into bikes. She rides her bike into Central Park almost every day. She's invested in bike companies in the past on the show. And I had already planned to have her come down and test ride the bike. And before I could get the words out, she's like, I want to ride that thing. So it's like, okay, she was clearly interested from the very beginning. Um, and then it was just a matter of closing the deal and kind of getting her interested in me and the company and everything else. But yeah, having, but you know, Robert, he, he, he got a bike. He's, you know, he shared a picture on Instagram of him and his kids riding and he's, you know, it was like the best testimony in the world. Like I love the bike. My kids love bunch bikes. The, the dog loves the bunch bike. It was pretty, pretty crazy. Um, and actually dog owners is a big segment of our customer base, you know, people with big labs or whatever that want to ride to the park and don't want to put them in the car or the old dog that, you know, can't walk anymore, but now he can enjoy but little bike rides with the family. Like, so, you know, seeing his whole family, even the dog enjoying the, in the, in the bike is, is huge. That's really, really cool. And you know, the bikes, they come in a variety of different configurations and you've got different models. And I assume the the different models serve different purposes Help me understand that because some of them have different boxes or, or, or seating areas on the front end. What are those configurations designed for and, and what motivates you to design additional configurations? Well, so the, it's almost like a modular configuration because most of the bikes are built off of the same frame. The only thing that's changing is the box on the front end. So it's actually pretty easy from a design standpoint. Um, but like, so our like original bike is set up. You could put up to four kids in there or two kids and a bunch of groceries then we've got the preschool, which is the same bike, but you, you make a slightly larger box on the side with benches that face sideways, and you can actually seat up to six kids in there. And the idea there is based off of some inspiration I saw in Europe, which is preschools and kindergartens actually biking with a fleet of three or four bikes, kids from school to the park, you know, like up to 18, 24 kids. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And as far as I know, it's the first bike of its kind in, 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 the, in the continent. Um, that you can actually put six kids in. So we've actually outfitted some schools with some bikes, which has been pretty rad. We do it in School Bus Yellow. Then we've got the canine, which is almost the same as the original. We just kind of outfit it tailored to a dog. We've got a, like a door on the front so the dog can hop in so you don't have to pick up your 80-pound dog and put them over the side and they're all, you know, sticking their legs out or whatever. Um, and then, you know, we've got like a, like a dog bed you can put in there and like a leash mount for them. Um, and then like our newest one, the coop is, well, we have a lot of customers who are, you know, they're the kind of people that would buy the best of the best if it was available. And mm -hmm. so we took kind of our existing concept and platform and said, what if we had everything that was on our dream wish list for what we would want to put in a bike and not care about what it costs? And the coupe is kind of that. It's at the high, you know, automatic shifting, electric mid motor. Um, this box is actually made of this impact resistant like foam material. Um, it's, it's really just like this high end bike that you know, we're, it's actually made in the Netherlands. Not that's, that's the only one we don't have that's not made in China. So that's, you know, when they ask for the costs on the show, it's like, yeah, the cost on that bike is pretty high just because of all the stuff going into it. So, um, but you know, for the people who want just the, the best thing money can buy because they're investing in it and they're going to use it every day. That's the bike we put out there. So we're, we're kind of covering the, the full range and we've got a bike coming up. Uh, we're launching on Indiegogo this summer. That's the opposite. You know, it's going to be the first bike that's actually going to be within reach of most people. It's called the Bunch Connect. And what it is, is actually an electric cargo bike conversion kit where you can take your existing bike at home, take the front wheel off and attach this system in 10 minutes. And now you've got a front load cargo bike for a much lower cost to get in. So that's, that's going to be coming soon. There's details on the website with like a, 
kind of a sign up for our email list. We'll let you know when that's coming. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff in, in the works. And, you know, like I said, we, we have things we're, we're working on, you know, different commercial deals and stuff like that, trying to tailor bikes, the existing platform we have for all these different use cases that have kind of come out like that we could use these bikes for. And we're just trying to really just do a lot. That is awesome, Aaron. I appreciate it, man. Your story is inspirational for on, on so many levels, on so many levels, because you're not just trying to sell a product for the sake of uh, making all that money and being a big time millionaire and 10xing my engagement or 10xing my money. You're actually doing it for a reason and you're doing it to actually help people. And I love well, that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and I've been there, done that, you know, when I, when I, when I was a teacher, like that was, that was my life. I wanted to be the best band teacher in the world or whatever. My daughter's born. Suddenly on my life, priorities changed. Like, I don't want to be spending all day with someone else's kid. I want to be like, I want to have that freedom to be able to like stay home from work on my kid's birthday and like, you know, be with them and whatever. So I like, I was, my literally only goal was I want to start a business that can replace my teaching income so I can get out of here. And that first business was that it checked all these boxes It you know, it made me money. It was, you know, it was very automated, heavily Amazon dependent. So we were able to be, you know, location independent time independent. So like, we were able to travel and, you know, it was a really, really cool couple of years, but I didn't really care what the product. It was like, you know, it was kids jewelry. I was selling online. It's like, I'm not really passionate about getting more jewelry into the world. It's like, it was just a niche that I found that made some money and I kind of achieved my short-term goal of getting me out of the teaching rat race. So, but then, so it's like, okay, I've got these skills. I know how to sell things online and I'm passionate about like, what am I actually, what do I actually care about? Like when I look back on my life, what do I want to have done? It's like not push jewelry into kids boutiques. Like that's doesn't really get me going, you know? And so I actually found it, even though I was making money, I found it hard to find motivation, to even work on the business. You know, I would like wake up really late and like, you know, just kind of be lazy because I just didn't excite me. And when you've got kind of a purpose behind what you're doing, and you see like this bigger mission. It's like, I, I have this 10 year kind of plan and vision for bunch bikes. And I, I literally just wake up ready to go every day. And I'm so excited. It's like, I'm just so pumped every day. It's like, you know, I see the customer stories coming in. It's like everyday validation that we're like changing lives and, you know, really impacting people. And it's just really just kind of fulfilling. And I could just do this for the rest of my life, you know, and never get tired of it. That is cool. And you know, that, that I think is, the modern American dream is to provide value and to give back and at the same time, fulfill your own desires and your own wants and needs. And I think what you're doing is tremendous and doing it with bunch bikes, although it stumps me, I still, I would have never thought something like this would be as big a hit as it is just because of the price point. You know, again, my mentality there for the price point is I still have a hard time reconciling it. However, when you look at the changing culture and the changing environment that we live in, there's definitely a place for your product. And I, I, I love what you've done. And I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today on this episode of the podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me. Aaron, where can people find out more about Bunch Bikes? Yeah, sure. You can check us out on our website, bunchbikes.com, social media at Bunch Bikes. So you can follow me on Twitter for random thoughts about biking, et cetera, at Cargo Dad. At Cargo Dad. I love it. I'll be following you here in just a minute. As soon as we finish this call, I'm going to go over there and give you a follow. So <laughs> I look forward to it. Aaron Powell, thank you so much once again. Really appreciate your time. And I cannot wait to share this episode with the audience. So thanks again.